podcast one production. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. Hello, hackers. Great to have you back once again. I hope you applied some of the lessons from last podcast. So today's episode is about the top five hacks to build muscle fast. Now, any guy out there wants to fill his shirt out a little bit better, they want to look better, they want to feel better. And we know that building muscle isn't just about looking good in your, in your shirt, but it's also so important to our general health and well-being when you think about it, how you move, how you feel. As I say, muscle is medicine, you know, it actually controls your insulin sensitivity, your, your ability to starve off diseases like diabetes, heart disease. Um, and as we age, we actually lose muscle naturally. So muscle is so important for us. So we really need to focus on building muscle and uh, it's not just to look good, but it's also to feel good. So if you're going to look at anybody to show you the light where to build muscle and how to build muscle, it has to be them guys that sometimes wander the streets with bum bags attached to their waist, a bit of a mullet, um, the tank top on and the gold chains. And last, they are my good friends, the bodybuilders, mate. And now bodybuilders, um, you know, get a bit of a bum rap, but when it comes to building muscle, I can tell you what, there's no smarter group of people than bodybuilders. They're so smart. In fact, there's actually a science, would you believe, Alex, called bro science. Science that has been evolved off the back of these guys being hackers themselves. That's what I love about bodybuilders, you know. They're really, really committed and you can sit back and laugh and put crap on them. But, mate, when it comes to people that are dedicated to their craft, there's no more dedicated person in a lot of instances than bodybuilders. So, they've really been responsible. So, so many of the health trends um, from protein shakes to supplement stores. You look at supplement stores now, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Vitamins, minerals, these industries have been built off the back of bodybuilders. Their ability to build muscle, be fitter, be stronger, um, and they've created economies, you know, off the back of this self-experimentation. Energy drinks, for example, you know, Red Bull, Mother, you know, these are as a result of bodybuilders. Once again, pre-workout drinks, trying to pump themselves up for a workout to get most out of their bodies. That's where these energy drinks stem from. So, a fascinating group of people, bodybuilders, bro science. And today we're going to hack into some of the secrets of these bro science uh, experimentations and some of the successes. And it can be misleading. I, I get that um, a lot of guys, skinny guys in particular, guys want to build a bit of muscle, might go down to the news agency, grab one of these magazines and go, oh, wow, I'm going to train like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then you open up the magazine and there's a, a workout that goes for about 10 days. <laughs> He's got a thousand sets of bicep curls, this muscle, that muscle. And then you look at his diet and you go, oh my God, that, that food bill cost me thousands of dollars. That's what I always think. The interesting think. thing. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about this is it's called the Arnold effect. And uh, what Arnold Schwarzenegger used to do, which was quite smart, he'd like to get in the heads of his competitors. And he'd do this by basically singling out a weakness or in fact, actually throw them off the trail and say to them, oh, have you actually eaten this food lately? It's amazing to build muscle. And this food would be some exotic thing like pal dog food. <laughs> or he'd give up some sort of secret about some weird training methodology, you know, where you, you know, attach, you know, a car battery to your nipples and turn on the car battery and squat at the same time. So Arnold was so great at playing mind games with, with competitors. And as a result, bodybuilding magazines would write these, you know, ludicrous stories about Arnold's training methods and his diet and stuff. And some poor old bloke would go down and spend his hard-earned cash on this magazine and, you know, go into the gym and next thing you know, he'd be attaching his nipples to a car battery charger and, you know, <laughs> not getting any muscle growth from wondering what the hell was going wrong. And a good example of even this happening today in mainstream media publications is the Zac Efron, you know, beach body Baywatch workout. If you have a look at that workout, it's mm. just ridiculous, you know, like who the hell has got time to go into the gym and spend literally, you know, 
two hours, this workout, I looked at it, and it would literally take you nearly two hours. He goes in on a Monday, supposedly, and he... Leaves on Thursday, you know, that's one workout. Oh, <laughs> mate, it's ridiculous. He, he does eight exercises for his back alone. Pull downs in about 50 different methods and rep ranges, and it's just ridiculous, some of the, the messages that are out there. So we're here today, mate, to cut through the BS show people how to really find the hacks that work for them. And uh, let's start today's podcast. Let's not uh, BS any longer and uh, let's get in the trenches. Okay, hack number one, man. Let's do it. Let's build some muscle. Okay, so the number one hack for today is fail. I want you to fail. Now, the key to growing muscle is just damaging the muscle. It's all just about making the muscle be put under stress, be put under load. Now, you're going to know somebody out there that um, likes to do CrossFit or somebody li- likes to do Pilates or, you know, likes to do a pump class, whatever it is. At the end of the day, your body doesn't know what these forms of exercise are. It's just exercise, which is stress. And that is the, the key to actually damaging and tearing down the muscle because the muscle then has to adapt and grow bigger and stronger from the exercise. And we touched on so this be- in the episode when we spoke about a high-intensity training, how to get fit fast. Same thing. The stress allows your body to then recover and you get fitter. This is a similar thing, that- right? Exactly. That's why recovery is so important. Now, let's be clear that training for a sport and training to build muscle are two totally different things. As an athlete, how I trained was going to be so different to the guy that just wanted to look good down the beach in his Speedos. So let's be clear that building muscle and and actually training for a muscle are two totally different things. All we're trying to really do is break the muscle down to allow it to regrow. Now, the, the interesting thing when you're training for sport, you're really, in a lot of sports, you're really training for power to weight. So you want to actually stimulate the muscles to become stronger and faster. Now, when you're trying to grow muscle, you're really training for uh, aesthetic purposes. Yes. To actually make the muscles swelled. So the best way to train for sport was really high power movements, explosive plyometric movements, trying to move the weight from A to B as fast as you can. You're training for myofibril growth not sacroplasmic growth of the muscle, which basically means you're not trying to expand the size of the muscle per se. You're trying to actually increase the size of the conduction of power that can go through the muscle. And being heavy or carrying excess body weight in sport is detrimental because it's all power to weight. The faster you move from A to B is really determined by the, the, the amount of mass that you have to move. So we're, t- we're focusing today on growing the sacroplasmic size of the muscle, the cell size of the muscle, the blood inside the muscle. We're trying to swell the muscle up. So, you know, oh, so training this is the to looking, The looking good episode. The looking good episode. Okay, That's cool. what this is all about. We all just right. want to look good, you know. My old trainer, <laughs> David Ball from South, and it being one of the legends of training. I remember when I walked in the gym one day and I was doing a, a lot of uh, stuff working the posterior chain, which is the back of the body, the glutes, the hamstrings, which are really the prime drivers to moving fast when you want to sprint. And Boyley said to me, mate, what are you wasting all your time doing them exercises for? He says, you don't walk down the street backwards, mate. Just worry about your guns and your chest. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was quite funny, you know, from a, you know one of our trainers. But uh, um, the key to trying to make the muscles or force the muscles to grow, as you touched upon, is the strength. Now, traditionally, a lot of people believe that you really need to lift heavy, heavy weights doing the big compound movements. Now, while you're going to get more bang for your buck doing squats, big bench presses, deadlifts, um, these things are going to cause you know muscle growth because it's it's going to actually put a lot of mechanical tension on the muscle. So that's the muscle force that's going to load the muscles right up. And we know that you know doing this will put the muscle under a lot of stress. We also know that causing muscle damage, so how much volume of training you do, someone like a crossfitter, that's why they say this is the best way to train, that's really going to build muscle as well. But the interesting thing is it's now all coming down to metabolic stress. They think this is the key driver. So the pump, Arnold Schwarzenegger used to talk about the pump. So this is how much tension is put on the muscle. 
So they've found in a recent research article that the best way to train to get muscle growth is to train to failure. It's not so much about how much weight you lift. So traditionally, a lot of bodybuilders would say, you know, let's train in the 8 to 12 rep range. But they've actually now found that lifting a weight, roughly 30% of what you can lift for one rep. So say, for example, you can bench press 100 kilos, lifting 30 kilos until failure is the best way to grow muscle. And this is great news because as you get older, and, you know, as your body gets worn out, you can't really sustain lifting heavy weights. It's going to wear your joints out. It's going to take a big toll on your body. And we know that it's all about consistency when it comes to training. So this is great news because you don't need to kill yourself or flog yourself lifting heavy weights. You can actually lift only 30% of the maximum amount that you can lift. But you need to go to failure. That is the caveat here, everyone. Train to failure. And don't just do one set, but you need to do multiple sets. And they found the sweet spot is between two and three sets. In actual fact, you got an 80% improvement in muscle growth if you did two sets over one. And Adam, okay. I need to be very clear in what failure is, and I think I figured it out, is that you keep <laughs> bench pressing and bench pressing and bench pressing until your arms go, oh, no more. And then it kind of, your arms <laughs> collapse back. Is that correct? Or did, That's exactly right. So it's then have someone spot now. you because you'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll knock yourself out with the bench press. But there's smart ways of doing this. That's why I love body weight training and calisthenics training. And, you know, not only are they working what I call the six primal movements when it comes to exercise. This is the other thing about me. It's about being life fit. You know, it's not just a matter of getting on something that's dysfunctional and, and not functional for life, like a bench press or a pec deck or a lap pull-down machine. Trying to do movements which require real movement. The six primal movements I like to call are a push, push-up, a pull, which might be a chin-up, a stability-type movement, which is, you know, really in charge of making us stable like a plank, um, a bend or a hip hinge, as I like to call it, which might be a scarecrow or a Romanian deadlift, um, a squat and a lunge. So these are functional things we do every day. We bend over, we squat, we lunge, we bend, we pull. We have to stabilize. So you can do these movements using your own body weight and go to failure and you will get the double benefit of functional, real-life strength, as well as hyperpetry. So that's the way to go as far as I'm concerned. Hack number two is bandage it. It's called um, blood flow-restricted training. Now, it's something that uh, we used in sport for a long time, and it's just sort of starting to catch on now. And when we'd have an injury, for example, when I tore my ACL um, and I was trying to re-engage and reactivate some of the key muscles which were going to actually support my knee from getting re-injured, what the physios did was they actually took a tire tube um, from a bicycle um, and would strap it around my leg as tight as you could do. And then they'd just get me to do little closed chain squats, little tiny squats, while this was r- tightly wrapped, the actual muscles above and below the knee. And what this would do is it would actually restrict the amount of blood that went into the muscle. Right. So whilst I was injured and I couldn't lift any heavy weights or go for a big range of motion, what this did is it actually forced the muscles to really work hard because it was starved of blood flow and oxygen. So it actually just caused damage once again. Remember what we said, the key to muscle growth is causing muscle damage. It doesn't matter how the muscle gets damaged, as long as you damage it, it's forced to recover, grow from that insult and say, you know what, buddy, next time that you go to do this to me, I'm going to be stronger and smarter and you can't hurt me. And you don't have to put too much stress on your joints. And this is another great thing for people that have got injuries or as we're aging, simply just go and get yourself a bandage of some sort, wrap it around your bicep, for example, and then just do some light bicep curls. And once again, the key hotspot as far as load goes, how much weight you put on the bar they found was about 30%, once again, of your one rep max, which is so exciting for people out there. Now, this little trick is just so smart from a scientific point of view because what it does is it forces the muscle cells to swell and the swelling of muscle cells actually will increase protein synthesis and it also reduces the amount of protein that gets broken down in the muscles. And we know that basically rebuilding protein inside the muscles is key. 
So the other interesting thing that this blood flow restricted training does is it actually increases the type two muscle fibers. These are the fast twitch muscle fibers that you have see sprinters have and footballers have. And these are the bigger and stronger muscle fibers. So the more you can stimulate any type two muscle fibers, the better because you're going to get more muscle growth as a result. So this inadequate oxygen supply is amazing what it does to growing muscles. Give it a go, mate. Strap yourself up and uh, head down to the gym and uh, you might look like a goose, but if you strap your biceps up and uh, do some bicep curls, you have big guns in no time. Hack number three is touch yourself. Now, we actually want you to touch the muscle that you're trying to work. You know, this simple hack is very interesting. So say, for example, once again, I'm trying to work the, the glute muscle. Now, the backside muscles are a really, really hard muscle for guys to work. You know, you see guys as they age and the first thing they usually see drop off is their backside. And the glute muscles are so important for so many things from posture to, to, you know, your ability to, you know, just get from A to B effectively and supporting your back in particular. Anyone with a bad back really needs to focus on not just working their abs, but if you can get your glutes to switch on, it's really important. But a lot of people struggle with the muscle-mind connection, we call it, between being able to get that muscle to switch on. So you can't actually grow a muscle if you can't switch it on in the first place. So this simple hack of lightly touching the muscle you want to work is incredible. So say, for example, we want to work them glute muscles by doing a glute bridge where you just lay down on the ground and just and get into your hip thrust position. But before you actually activate the movement, just take your index finger, touch the glute that you're trying to work, and then thrust your hips up into the air. Now, a lot of people haven't used their backside muscles for so long, they don't have that muscle-mind connection any longer. But the simple hack of just touching the muscle you're trying to work actually stimulates a connection between the brain and the central nervous system. And it's actually known as tactile stimulation. So that just the simple act of touching the target muscle will see your brain, increase the motor signal to the working muscle, will engage the muscle, and all of a sudden the muscle's having to work, becomes fatigued. This will then force the muscle to get stronger and bigger, which is an amazing hack, and it doesn't take much. So as I'm thrusting forward to do those kind of like bum lifts, you keep your fingers on, or you just have to touch it before you actually start? So keep it on for the whole movement. So let's go to an upper body extremity, like a bicep curl. Once again, if you just put, you know, your finger on the bicep, and you can do it now. If you just put your finger on the bicep, you straighten your arm. Yeah. And then okay. you go to contract the bicep. Yeah. Straight away, you feel that connection. It's a much greater cool. connection between your brain and your muscle. And that's what it's all about, engaging your muscles as most as you can um, to get the biggest bang for your buck. Now, things that we used to do as, as athletes before we would do certain activities in the gym to stimulate as much nervous system activation as we could were really, really smart tricks. So there was something in, in athletics we used to call post-activation potentiation. I know it's a mouthful, post-activation potentiation. Now, essentially, this is a neuromuscular hack. And anyone out there that's trying to get stronger or faster, it's something you can try as well, not only just to grow muscle, but for athletic performance. So essentially, Alex, that was, I would go and do some jumps before I would squat. So I would actually try and jump as high as I could, uh -huh. or I would go and do a few quick sprints before I would lift heavy weights because the act of actually moving fast required a huge load of nervous system activation. So it required my body to switch on a lot of muscles quickly. I had to engage a lot of my central nervous system. The other thing you can do is just, even if you want to lift heavier in the gym is get a bench press or a squat, rack up as much weight as you know you think you can lift, maybe Normally, if you could do 100 kilos, put 120 kilos on the bar and just simply try and rack it off. Just lift it up or push against it and see if you can just lift it a few inches off the bar. Then take the weights off back to your normal weight and then go and bench press and see how much easier it is after you've felt the heavy weight. So this switches on your brain connection to the muscle connection. Yeah, so it's right. so clever, you know. So yeah. you know, it's very clever. And then lastly, you know, if you if you're not if you're not willing to, you know, sort of um, go a bit crazy in the gym and stack up plates on either side of the weights or try and jump because you've got a bad back or bad knees, 
you can simply just go and do um, isolation movements first before you do your bigger movements like your squats or or your bench press. So, for example, you could just do some tricep extensions, you know, or some little chair tricep dips and then go and bench press because what you're then doing is you're engaging the smaller muscles which are being pre-fatigued on these isolation movements and then you're doing the big movement which then forces you to use everything you got left in the tank. Ah, and then so you for can example, keep pushing until exhaustion, until fail. That's right. Yeah, and these smaller muscles which traditionally don't get activated as much or get forced into fatigue actually get forced into fatigue first because you're isolating them first. So the bigger, stronger muscles which tend to dominate in these compound movements actually are silenced a little bit in these isolation movements. So, for example, like I said, you know, if you're going to do, um, you know, a bench press and you really want to, you know, really get the most out of the bench press, but you can't lift huge heavy weights, you know, just do some push-ups to failure and then go and bench press. And you're going to get the same effect of taking that muscle to fatigue, but also the double bang of working these small little support muscles like the triceps rather than just the chest. There's a lot of science in training, and and that's the great thing about training is that it can become very scientific. Like as an athlete, living and breathing it for 20 years and just trying to find that half a second that I could get faster over 100 metres. Or, you know, when I look back now at some of the stuff that we used to do in the gym and even myself, the diminishing returns I was getting at the end, you know, the minimal effective dose, that's what it's all about in exercise and health. When you're an athlete, it's different. You're trying, you have to get that 0.01% performance. And that's why I can sit here today and share these secrets with people because I know what it requires to get that 0.01% increase in strength or speed. You know, when I look back at, we were deadlifting, trying to deadlift three times our body weight. You know, we we're trying Jeez. to bench press two times our body weight. So yeah. we were trying to bench press over 180 kilos. We were deadlifting 270 plus kilos, mm. squatting 300 kilos. And I wonder why some mornings I get up and I go, geez, my back's sore or geez, my knee's a bit sore. What were you doing? (laughs) So, you know, and how much faster and stronger did it really make me? Yet you still look at, you know, a lot of the sports scientists and a lot of these high performance coaches today and they're still beating the same drum with their athletes because it's what they're paid to be specialists in. So you have strength coaches in a lot of these professional sports who spend all their time breaking athletes just so they can say, oh, my athlete bench pressed 200 kilos. But does that help you on the football field? When you're on your back, when's the only time you push someone like a bench press when you've just been belted in a tackle? So yeah. they would have been better off, these athletes, just finding out how strong they needed to be to stop themselves from getting injured, not necessarily how much they could lift in the gym. Anyway, that's that's why we're here to help people do the smartest uh, things rather than the dumbest things to get their bodies healthy and fit. That's why, Adam, you are the health hacker. You've done all the hard stuff for us. More with Adam right after this as Podcast One has heaps of other great podcasts you might like, like this one. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. Adam, we're back here on The Health Hacker, the top five hacks to building muscle fast. What's our next hack? Okay, Alex, well, we're focused really heavily on the training side of it. You know, obviously, you've got to stimulate, break the muscle down to force it to repair itself, but then you've got to feed the muscle. This is key. So you need to eat. Now, we always say that abs are made in the kitchen, not in the gym, and it's the same thing with muscle. Muscle is built as a result of obviously damaging the muscle, but then you need to feed the muscle. Now, this is key. So if your body's not getting enough calories to build muscle, you're just wasting your time in the gym if that's your goal. On average, to put on about a pound of muscle, you know, you probably need about 3,500 calories, give or take, to build that muscle, give your body the fuel it needs to grow that excess muscle. So you need to leave some petrol in the tank at night after you've worked out for your body to recover and rebuild itself. So the key though is not just eating any types of calories. You've got to eat specific calories. Now, 
it's tough work. You know, you, you, we laughed before about bodybuilders, but these guys are smart dudes, a lot of these guys, and that's why you might have seen the odd character walking around with an esky from time to time or pulling out the Tupperware. I'm sure there's bodybuilders out there, Alex, that have made millions off Tupperware. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be the best Tupperware salesman in the world. There's a business model for you. If you're out there and you want to make a quid, go and uh, enroll into be a Tupperware salesman. Hang out at the gym, mate, and sell Tupperware, mate. You'll make a fortune of these gym blokes. You know, they I was, carry their food everywhere. I was on, I was on a flight, and this bodybuilder was sitting a row over from me. And every kind of twenty minutes, he pulled out something else and started eating again. He, he was eating whole handfuls of raw spinach. <laughs> well, mate, they're committed. Like I said here, they're trying to find that zero point zero one percent just to look better. They're bloody good at it. And the key is having hacks that are simple. Now, the best way to lose weight or grow muscle is preparation. So these guys love the fact that they need to be meticulous with their preparation. And that's why their eating is just regime. You know, you hear bodybuilders talk about eating every couple of hours, you know, to force feed the muscles. And there's only so much that your body can break down at once as well. So you've got to be mindful. The body consistently needs to be given the fuel to rebuild itself after you've broken it down in the gym. So one of the ones that jumps out at me, people think building muscles, not a full-time job for a lot of these guys. Look at look at The Rock. Now, everyone loves The Rock. Now, this bloke's eating like seven meals a day. He eats on yeah. average two, every two to three hours. Like, you look at his breakfast alone. Like, his breakfast alone, he's only eating 300 grams of potatoes, 300 grams of steak, and then he has six scrambled egg whites with it. Jeez. Now, I don't know how long that takes you to bloody eat, and I don't want to see his food bill, but they estimate that the rock is nearly eating $2,000 a year of cod alone, fish. Because like three <laughs> hours later, you know, he's, after he's eaten his steak, he's ripping into another 300 grams of grilled chicken, one and a half cups of rice. Then three hours after that, he's into 300 grams of bison, you know, one and a half cups of rice, and then salad. Yes, he's getting salad. I don't know how he fits that in there. Yeah. <laughs> and then three hours after this, it's another 300 grams of chicken salad, 300 grams more of potatoes. And then finally, just before he goes to bed, he'll have oatmeal wi- mixed with 10 egg whites and some peanut butter. And he washes that all down with 11 litres of water. Now, that just sounds exhausting to me. And he will also get up and down a protein shake. It's just insane the amount of commitment that people show to build muscle. You get up <laughs> when? Insane. Like in the middle of the night? In the middle of the night. I, I, look, you know, Tarek Sims is a fantastic footballer and there's a number of guys out there, you know, in the NRL and particularly when I come through that, you know, were told they needed to get bigger and, you know, bigger was better and, you know, I argue that it's not. But, you know, Tarek moved from being a winger and outside back into the forward pack and they were saying to him to actually make that transition, you need to put on weight. So the advice that Tarek was given off these guys was to get up in the middle of the night and smash down a protein shake and a peanut butter sandwich. So you see athletes today who need to bulk up this is something they do. They set their alarm clock every couple of hours. It'll go off. They'll get up next to their bed. Bang. What's there? Protein shake, peanut butter sandwich. Now, this is a level of commitment. If you really, really want to build muscle, you need to eat it. And I'm talking some serious calories. Make the blender your best friend. There's a hack there for you now. If you're a skinny guy, what we call an ectomorph, a guy that struggles to put muscle on, you really need to force feed your body with calories because your metabolism is much faster than somebody else that carries a bit more fat. So somebody that's an endomorph, they're people that tend to put fat on easily and store fat. Um, these guys are going to have different problems. They need to burn fat. But someone that's a, an ectomorph that has a fast metabolism, doesn't put on muscle easy like what we call mesomorphs, um, they're going to really have to force feed their body with these calories. So what we need to do is make the blender our friend. And there's so many cool things you can do with a blender. As long as you've got some protein powder, a good one, you can throw in your know, ice cream topping, bananas, can really bulk up with the calories, particularly around when you've just trained or before you train. This is a really, really important tip for guys is 
the nutritional timing. You know, your muscles, if you think about your muscles, they're like sponges. When they exercise or they're about to exercise, they're really, really sensitive to pulling in nutrients out of the bloodstream into the muscles. So timing of nutrition is very important. So we really want to focus when we're eating on getting protein. Now, we touched upon it before. Once the muscle is damaged, it needs to repair itself. Now, the thing that does this is protein. Protein contains amino acids, and these are the, the building blocks to actually help your body lay down new muscle fiber after it's been damaged. So you must get protein into your body. So now on average, the average guy, they should be aiming for roughly one gram of protein per pound of body weight. So I know that's a little bit technical, but um, it's pretty simple when you look at it. And that's why these bodybuilders actually you know, have a protein shake that's roughly got 30 grams of protein. In. An average serve of steak, which is the size of your palm, Alex, um, is roughly 30 grams. Um, every egg, you know, two eggs have got 12 grams of protein. So you're aiming to get, if you're a 200 pound bloke, um, or if you're somebody that weighs just over 90 kilos, you're roughly trying to get 200 grams of protein. So you can see why these bodybuilders eat six times a day. Because the research also indicates, Alex, that you're going to get more muscle growth if you break up your protein throughout the day over several feeds. Um, your body can only break down so much at once. So making sure that you're loading up your body with protein so it can recover and regenerate itself. And remember, if it's not getting enough protein, what's it going to do to the body? Well, it's going to go into what they call a catabolic state, which essentially means it's going to be forced to break down the protein, which is in muscles, to get the amino acids to rebuild and regenerate itself. So it's nowhere near as effective because you're breaking down muscle when you're trying to build muscle. So make sure you get enough protein. Now, the second macronutrient, as we like to call the second type of food that we want to really focus on eating are carbohydrates. Breads, pastas, rices, the ones everyone tells you to steer away from when you're actually trying to lose weight. But these are so important when you're trying to build muscle because not only do they provide energy so you're ready to go when you're in the gym and work out hard, they support muscle growth. They'll obviously prevent the muscles from being broken down in the first place. They'll help with muscle recovery. Um, but they essentially drive the nutrients into the muscle via insulin. So they spare protein as well. So whenever you eat, let's say, a sandwich, the carbohydrates in the bread or rice or pasta, what this is going to do is it's going to elicitate what we call an insulin response. Mm. And insulin is going to be responsible for pushing the amino acids out of the protein into the muscle to help regrow the muscle and make it bigger and stronger. And it's also really important for your central nervous system, which we just talked about before, about how do we stimulate a, you know, more central nervous system engagement to make the muscles bigger and stronger. So you must eat carbohydrates if you want to build muscle. And accept this, you are going to put on fat. It's nearly impossible, I don't care who you are, to grow muscle and get shredded at the same time. You are going to have to accept, you know what? If I want to get swelled, I'm going to have to get a bit swelled around the midsection. So, yeah. But don't go too far. And look, you know, I always tell people, I applaud people to start by just trying to drop excess fat to start with and, you know, build the muscle at the same time, but don't try and do it in an extreme approach. Now, these hacks today are going to slap on some muscle really quick. But like I said to you just then, that the key is picking which path you want to take. So if you are somebody that's overweight, the first thing you need to do is get rid of that fat. You want fat loss and part of that fat loss is muscle gain. But if you're somebody that's really skinny, you've got to go the opposite approach. So you've really got to focus on building that muscle because remember, muscle is metabolic, it's medicine. So it's actually going to help you burn fat in the long run. And that's why these hacks are so clever because get your diet right and you do these training hacks, which we spoke about, you should be able to grow muscle without putting on heaps of fat. But just don't be vain and think that you're not going to put on a tiny bit of fat if you're trying to build muscle because you can't get it perfectly right with your diet and exercise. You just have to make sure you've got enough calories. That's the most important thing when you're trying to, to build muscle. 
Well, final hack, we're trying to make it as easy for you as you can. So I don't want you having to walk around with a bum bag full of protein bars and, and you know, having to carry around bags of Tupperware and, you know, eskies and whatnot. So the easiest way to actually give your body the nutrients it needs to grow muscles are to supplement it. Use supplements. Now, it's not a multi-billion dollar industry for for any other reason for the fact that supplements actually work. Um, as an athlete, we were given plenty of different supplements from caffeine to different types of amino acids to pre-workout drinks, post-workout drinks, intra-workout drinks. There's so many things, but yeah. you just have to cut through the BS. Like most of them are garbage. And I'm here now to tell you that the, the two best supplements by far and away are firstly creating monohydrate. Now, this supplement has been done over thousands of times research has done to prove that this supplement works. Now, creatine has is, is been shown to work because it's such a, a cheap and effective thing as well. So creatine was, you know, the, the new kid on the block. You know, 20 years ago, I remember when it first came out and it was so expensive and there was all these fallacies around it as well that you needed to load on it. And, you know, if you loaded too much, you need to get gastric distress and get diarrhea and they've evolved and they've realized that you don't need a huge amount of this. And it's great for people who are wanting to, you know, get benefits of anti-aging and, and, you know, brain function as well. They're now finding that creatine is such a vital, vital ingredient for the body to stay young and to stay smart and to stay strong and to build muscle. So it actually has been shown to double your strength and lean muscle gain. Where does it come from? didn't use it. So creatine is actually found in meats. So it's found in protein. So it's found in beef. So it's very, very hard to get the quantities of creatine that you would need just from food alone. So that's why you have to supplement with it. So one study actually found that people that use creatine over a four-week period increased their bench press by 20 pounds. You know, another study of 250 uh, peer-reviewed articles showed that most people put on over 2.6 grams of fat in eight weeks and they had a 60% greater increase in lean body mass, which is massive. Mm. So just taking this little supplement, which honestly should cost you 50 cents a serve, and you just put in a bit of water and take it once a day, and you only need three to five grams of this, just a little teaspoon, and you are going to get magnificent results in muscle gain. Now, what it does is it, it forces your body to increase the storage of ATP, and this is your cell's energy. So this basically allows your muscles to work harder and go longer and be stronger. So it dictates how much weight you can lift. It dictates, you know, how much load the muscles can take. And as we know, it's all about stressing the muscle and forcing it to adapt. So that's where creatine is very, very um, effective. It also increases the water content of the muscles. Um, it swells the muscles, which is really important, which we just spoke about because it, the swelled muscle is a good muscle to build muscle. It increases IGF-1, which is a key hormone as well for muscle growth. So it does a number of things, creatine, and it's just such an easy thing for people to use out there. And we see it time and time again. Just a simple supplement like this gets results. Is there an optimal time to take it? Yeah, look, there's been studies and there's bro science that stipulate that maybe you should take it just before you work out with some insulin producing um, carbohydrates. So you might take it with, you know, back in the day, they used to say, take it with a bit of orange juice, you know, to help it shuttle into the muscles more effectively. Some people say, take it post-workout. At the end of the day, you know, the body doesn't work off a simple clock of getting something in and five minutes later going, oh, this is available now. It's about being consistent. Just making sure you're taking it every single day is the key as far as I'm concerned. What's the other supplement then? The other supplement is no surprise. We've spoken about it all day. Protein. protein. We need protein <laughs> shakes. And that's why it's such a billion dollar industry. It's a scary industry because there's so much crap protein out there. You know, it's coming from China, America. Most of it's acidic. Half of it doesn't even have in it what it's got in it because it's not tested. It's not regulated. The protein industry is just a scam of an industry in, in, in a whole sense. There's so much garbage out there and so many crap claims. 
There's just so many different types of protein out there. No wonder people are confused. You know, I'm looking at this protein tub in, in a chemist and it's saying it's lean protein and it's a beach protein. I'm looking at it going, wow, main ingredient skim milk, cheap milk powder. That's not <laughs> really good quality protein. It's actually going to probably give you man boobs. And you know what? I don't, can't see how this is going to make you lean, but marketing claims on the front of the pack and we all know about how BS... Um, full of BS, I should say, that a lot of these uh, companies are, but, um, you know, people are gullible. So, and we don't even know what's in the protein, where it's sourced from or whatever. So my my biggest tip there is try and find something that's Australian-made, a big company if you can, and something that um, that is trusted by, you know, people that um, you trust. That's the most important thing. But um, you can't get enough protein in your diet a lot of the times when you're trying to build muscle because it's not really easy to always access protein like steaks and chicken and eggs and, and whatnot. So this is where protein powders are really effective for people. Your body needs the protein for protein synthesis. That's essentially where the amino acids are driven into the muscle to rebuild and repair. And getting them in there isn't that easy a lot of the time. And how hard it is for your body to break them down and the timing and the release of proteins, it's a very technical science. And that's why a lot of bodybuilders actually gulp down a protein shake just before, during and after they train because their muscles, that's when they need the protein the most. So a study by the Journal of International Society of Sports Nutrition, Alex, actually found that subjects who consumed a protein shake improved the blood flow to their muscles, enhancing the delivery of muscle-building nutrients, such as oxygen and hormones, and they actually doubled their muscle growth. So that's quite staggering when you think about it. So the simple act of just downing a, you know, a protein shake can actually potentially double your muscle growth. It's pretty exciting. So... And the recommended amount of protein that, you know, the body needs is, is a fair amount as well when you think about it because most people recommend about two grams per kilo of body weight of protein. If you're a 100 kilo bloke, that's 200 grams of protein. We spoke about it before. Two eggs is just 12 grams of protein. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, 100 grams of steak is roughly about 20 grams of protein. So chicken breast is about 18 grams of protein. So, you know, you're going to have to smash some protein into here to get up to that 200 grams. Now, there's been a lot of fallacies around eating too much protein, being hard on the kidneys and stuff like that. Now... There's a caveat there. You should always check to see if you've got an underlying medical condition before you go on these extreme self-hacking experiments where you're trying to bulk up and whatnot because you are testing the limits of your own physical genetics. That's what it's all about. Self-hacking, self-experimentation is seeing what works for you. You might be a guy that you know is really protein sensitive and you don't need as much protein. Um, you, you see vegetarians thinking that they can build muscle. It's very hard because you know the protein that's found in a lot of vegetarian diets is what we call incomplete protein. So it doesn't have the same amino acid sequence as what you get in a lot of meats and stuff, which had the nine essential amino acids. So it's really hard for some of these guys to actually build the protein. And that's why eating things like eggs, red meat, fish, you know, are so great, much better than eating, you know, vegetarian type foods, even nuts and beans and stuff like that, because they're not as effective at building muscle. But good old protein, I can tell you what, this certainly works. And if you're trying to bulk up quick, make sure you're gulping down some protein shakes. To recap, here are your top five hacks from today's episode to build muscle fast. Exercise to fail, bandage it and restrict the blood flow. Touch your muscles to engage your mind with that muscle. Four, feed the muscle with good protein. And number five, supplement it. Adam, thanks so much again. What an episode. I've learned so much. So hacking essentially is just trying to squeeze every little last drop out of that lemon. It's just trying to find them little cheats that are going to give you that edge. It's about doing it smarter, not dumber. And as I said, mate, if you're a bodybuilder out there, go get yourself some Tupperware today and sell it to your mate at the gym. You'll make some money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to the next episode of The Health Hacker. To get in touch with Adam or to hear all the episodes, head to podcastone.com.au. Download the Podcast One app and also it's available on iTunes. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Alex. Always a pleasure.
The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall is recorded in the studios of Podcast One. Produced by Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Nick Slater. Executive producer is Jamie Shaw. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app.